1: Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. I'm Sean Cooper, and it's great to be back for another episode. On today's show, I'll be talking to Tim Hudak. Tim Hudak is the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association, OREA, Canada's largest provincial real estate industry association. Tim joined OREA after a distinguished 21 years of public service in the Ontario Legislature including five years as leader of the Progressive Conservative Party of Ontario. Since becoming CEO in December 2016, he and his OREA team have focused on transforming OREA into Ontario's most effective professional association that delivers high-impact advocacy on behalf of realtors and consumers and provides quality services to members. Maria has launched the Keep the Dream Alive campaign. The campaign is aimed at helping ensure that affordable home ownership remains a top priority for politicians in the province of Ontario. To learn more about the campaign and to take action by telling your member of provincial parliament to keep home ownership affordable for future generations, visit keepthedreamalive.ca. On a personal note, I met Tim a couple years ago when I was invited to speak at the 10th annual Post City Magazine Real Estate Roundtable. We ended up sitting beside each other and really hit it off. Since then, we have been collaborating and supporting each other as we share the common goal of helping keep homeownership affordable for the future generation. In my interview with Tim, we discussed measures the government could take to help keep homeownership affordable for younger folks, new real estate rules Aurea is proposing for home buyers and home sellers, and whether the mortgage stress test should be tweaked. Without further ado, here's my interview with Tim Hudak. Hi Tim, how are you doing today? i'm doing great sean thanks for having me on the show oh thanks for being on the show it was wonderful to be on your show a while back so i just wanted to return the favor
0: well when you were on our ratings went through the roof i just hope you know by having hudak on your show that you're not going to go the opposite direction so i apologize (laughs) to your uh, listeners
1: (laughs) well i guess we'll wait and see once the listenership comes in but i'm sure this will be a record-breaking episode that's for sure
0: well, I like the sound of my voice. so I'll tune in lots of times to
1: boost the numbers anyway. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Maria's Keeping the Dream Alive campaign has shone the light on the challenges millennials face these days when buying a home. Can you talk about some of these challenges?
0: Yeah, look, I really appreciate you asking about that, Sean. I mean, for your listeners, they can still see our ad and the messages we're driving at keepthedreamalive.ca. So number one, why did we launch keepthedreamalive.ca? Our main job as an association of realtors is to help create that next generation of Ontario homeowners. You can lay all the economists around the world head to toe, and there'll be agreement that when Communities, countries, provinces have strong levels of home ownership. It makes for stronger neighborhoods, more volunteerism. The children of those homeowners tend to do better in school and better jobs, all else constant. It's an important Canadian value. And in reality, that value of home ownership helped to build Canada's strong and sustaining middle class that has made us the envy of the world. It's been a great story, Sean, that from Confederation till the present, The percentage of homeowners in Canada has increased steadily until recently. The sad reality is the last three years, homeownership has gone down in Ontario and gone down in Canada. That has never happened in the history of this great country. And the biggest downside to that is millennials, your generation, are the ones on the short end of the stick. We want to turn that around.
1: Yeah, it's quite interesting what you said. I mean, what do you believe is the factor that's led to the trend reversing itself?
0: Yeah, like a whole bunch of of factors. But I mean, all of your listeners in any conversation you're going to have uh, at a barbecue, a cocktail party, at the coffee shop, will almost always come around to the story about, you know, that millennial young woman. She did everything right. She played by the rules. She did what her parents and society told her. She got a good education. She got a good job, been promoted recently, but still stuck at home with mom and dad or in a cheap rental, despite the fact that she did everything right. And that has become part of our, sadly, our, our social reality, not only in the greater Toronto area, but throughout our province. What are the main reasons for this? Well, number one, the rate of costs to owning a home has increased faster than incomes have. So millennials now have a much less likely chance of owning a home than their parents did or their grandparents did at that age and that type of job. We're not building enough new housing supply, particularly for starter homes or even, Sean, for move-up homes where, you know, a young family, they got the kids, they need more room, they move and they put the starter home on the market for a millennial trying to get her first place. We don't have enough on the housing supply. The last thing I'll say in the answer to that question is, also, the taxes are very high. We have something called the land transfer tax, and that's also a barrier to owning a home. It's something we should encourage, not discourage. And if you live in Toronto, for example, you've got the big whammy of the only double land transfer tax anywhere in Canada.
1: Yeah, those are some great points, Tim. And certainly in terms of the land transfer tax, the double whammy in Toronto. When I purchased my house in 2012, I beat, as a first-time home buyer, I did get the rebate. But even then, I still had to pay a good chunk of change out of my pocket. And just in terms of the amount that's exempt under the land transfer tax, it certainly hasn't kept up with home prices. So as a first-time home buyer in Toronto, you can definitely feel the pain in terms of the land transfer tax, which I don't think is right. Very good points that yeah. you raised. Yeah, and that's
0: got to be cash on hand. I mean, you, you can't put that onto your mortgage, so you've got to have the cash to pay that land transfer tax punishment uh, off the top. Now, we were successful here at the Ontario Real Estate Association in working with the then Kathleen Wynne government. They doubled the land transfer tax rebate for first-time home buyers. Sean, you just mentioned that. It's up to 4,000 now. So in some you know, smaller communities, that means they don't pay any land transfer tax. That's great. But with housing values, especially in the GTA, it is still a punishing tax. The Wynn government took an important step forward. We would love to see the Ford government say, you know what, we can't reduce taxes across the board. We get that. Financial circumstances are tight. But if we really want to get homeownership back on track, why don't we target first-time homebuyers and say, you know what, no tax when you're buying your first home.
1: So I think that's a great idea, and you certainly won't get any arguments from me, so... Perfect. Well, Tim, what would you like to see the government do to keep the home ownership dream alive for younger folks?
0: We walked through nicely there on the upfront land transfer tax. The biggest thing we can do, though, Sean, is increase housing supply and increase housing choice. And that was the the main premise of our "Keep the Dream Alive" campaign, which was, you know, had an advertisement both in television, in social media, and in radio that reflected the reality, the agony that so many first-time home buyers face in the marketplace. Today, they find the beautiful home, they want it, and then when they do all the calculations, especially around the tax, they can't afford it. That actually motivated 20,000 messages from people watching, listening at home, to their MPPs of all four political parties. So we were successful in driving that message by tapping into people who are being impacted by that or probably also by their parents who want to see their sons and daughters succeed. The good news is we followed it up by doing our own homework. We did our own study about 10 things the province of Ontario or the national government could do to help bring the Canadian dream of home ownership closer to reality for more people. We took that homework, we brought it before Premier Ford and his ministers, and the very good news is the provincial government did act. They've got now a bill that has recently passed in the legislature to increase housing supply and increase housing choice. So let's put a big check mark beside mission accomplished and getting provincial action. And we hope to see those homes coming to the marketplace soon.
1: That's wonderful news to hear. And perhaps you could talk just briefly a bit more about the More Homes, More Choice Act.
0: You know, it's kind of funny. Our homework that we did, the research piece is actually called More Homes, More Affordability. (laughs) So it's pretty close in the final product. They took eight out of our 10 ideas. Let me give you some of those uh, examples. Number one, particularly for you know, urban and semi-urban areas, we said, why don't we intensify around major transportation links? What does that mean? Well, if you're in Toronto, what if we actually built above TTC stations or allowed for greater intensification around those stations? The government is making a lot of investments, whether it's the TTC, Go Transit, rightly so in transit options and transportation, but sometimes the bylaws are outdated and limit how many people can live around there. So let's change that and let's allow more people to live in and around and on top of major transportation linkages. And I think knowing the climate we have in Canada, a lot of people would say, I would kill to live right next to or above a subway stop or a go station, and I can leave the park and the jacket at home when I head into work. That was one of our top ideas, and that made it in the bill.
1: That's uh, great to hear and I was just wondering if you could briefly touch on the right type of housing because I hear a lot of people talking about the missing middle and perhaps you could talk about progress made in that area.
0: Yeah, so number two on our list after intensifying around major transportation hubs is reducing the regulatory burden that makes housing a lot slower to come into market and then when it finally does, it makes it a lot more expensive. If you want to get a new subdivision through these days, it can take a decade or more. There's so many different government agencies, so many different conflicting rules that is driving housing either out of the market or through the roof when it comes to costs. In fact, one recent study by the C.D. Howe Institute said that for some areas like in York region, the cost of regulation, $125,000 before you even put a shovel in the ground. One of the areas that is really sidelined as a result of outdated rules, sort of pre-disco era, early 1970s zoning bylaws is what they call the missing middle. And the missing middle tend to be mid-rises, you know, maybe up to 8, 10 stories in major urban areas, you know, 3 to 6 in semi-urban areas. And this solves two problems. Number one, as a really good entry-level housing for millennials and first-time home buyers. And Number two, it's also an option for empty nesters. That way, retirees or close to retirees can stay close to the grandkids. They can stay in the communities that they like, but they no longer need those extra bedrooms. So They move into the missing middle. They're still where they want to live, but that frees up that family home for somebody starting out.
1: That sounds like a win-win situation to me. You won't get any arguments from me, so perfect. Well, OREA has advocated for better consumer protection, higher professional standards for realtors, and tougher enforcement. Can you discuss the new real estate rules OREA is proposing for home buyers and sellers and why they're a good thing?
0: Absolutely. So number one on our list, as we already talked about, is helping that next generation afford a home, create the next generation of Ontario homeowners. And number two on the list is we want to make sure when you're making that biggest purchase of your life, Sean, when you're buying a home or when you're selling it to get ready for retirement or to refinance and get a bigger home, the bottom line is we want to make sure that realtor you have as your trusted advisor at your side has the highest level of education, has the highest level of training, and the highest level of professional standards anywhere in North America. And if they break those rules, they don't live up to that trust to make sure that there's a strong disciplinary body to kind of discourage that type of behavior, or if it's really bad, kick them out altogether.
1: No, that sounds great to me. And I've heard you discuss bully offers before. Perhaps you could share your thoughts on that, Tim.
0: Yeah, sure, I mean, we put a number of ideas on the table, including saying you know, whether bully offers put unfair pressure on potential sellers of their home. Do we wanna make sure that in the heat of a real estate exchange that you've got time to sit down with your realtor and get her best advice on what's in your financial interest instead of undue pressure. But let me go back to big picture here. Some of the things that we want to have, well, for your realtor listeners, we want to make sure they have the ability to have modern business tools like personal real estate corporations so they could incorporate, just like doctors can do, accountants, pharmacists, and other professions, and realtors can do in six other provinces. We want to make sure that we have world-leading education and professional standards and give our regulator Regulator kind of, you know, make sure they keep an eye on the profession and various professions in the province. Ours is called the Real Estate Council, Ontario, RICO, but give them a greater ability to raise fines. The fines were set back in 2002, and you know that you could have bought a, a mansion in 2002 that would barely get you a shack today. So let's raise the fines for those who break the rules. And that should include a greater ability to suspend or revoke licenses for egregious behavior. We wanna make sure that that happens so you know the realtor you have is the top notch in North America. We also have suggested specialty licensing. So if somebody holds themselves out and say I'm a commercial expert, or I'm a cottage expert or a condo expert, that actually means something when it comes to on-the-job experience and education. And we also wanna make sure that when it comes to some people who are practicing in the shades, they're not realtors, they may call themselves real estate coaches or whatever, if they're giving you advice on on the biggest purchase you're going to make and something of such emotional value as where you're going to raise your family they should be licensed they should be subject to education and oversight you know not playing these gray areas and quite frankly ripping people off
1: those all sound great to me tim just wondering if you could just touch on one final point i heard that you've advocated for a more open bidding process for buyers and sellers. Perhaps you could talk a bit about that. I mean, I've heard Australia is an extreme example where people are like bidding out in the streets. I'm not sure that would really work for Ontario, but just be curious to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Our basic viewpoint at the Ontario Real Estate Association, you know, representing about 80,000 realtors in the province is it's your home or it's your property or your business. And you should have every right on how you go about selling that property. Our point of view, obviously, is you should get the best advice from a realtor to make the best choice, to make sure you market it well, that you're going to get lots of offers, for example. But you should have a choice whether to sell your home or your property through the traditional closed offer process where people give you bids, you decide which one to take on the offers. Or if you want to do, you could do an open process where, say, for example, if you have five people who want to offer on your home that all five could, in an open fashion, show everything in their offer, from the offer price to the closing date to the down payment to you know who gets the fridge or the dishwasher at the end of the day. That kind of open process may be appealing to some people, both buyers and sellers. But the bottom line is, Sean, it's your home, and you should be given the choice of which method works the best for you. You have to think about what your next place is going to be, your retirement or giving something to the grandkids. You should make that
1: choice. Yes, I'm all for more freedom of choice. So that sounds great to me. Switching gears. Being a mortgage broker myself, I've seen firsthand the effects of the mortgage stress test and the effects it has had on home buyers and those looking to shop around for a mortgage at renewal. What are your thoughts, Tim, on the mortgage stress test? Do you think it's working or has it slowed the real estate market too much and it should be tweaked?
0: It needs to be fixed. There's no doubt. And, and look, Sean, I appreciate the advice that you've given to me and to our association over the last couple of years on mortgage issues, including the stress test. But I mean, look, we want to see more homeowners in the province. We want to see more people get access to good choice in, in rentals as well. And what are the biggest obstacles? Number one, not enough supply. We've talked about that already in terms of new homes or new rentals. And we do think some of the ideas we put on the table that the provincial government is now enacting will help solve that problem. Number two, let's get taxes down, particularly for first-time home buyers. That's probably a longer-term project, but we're gonna keep our nose to the grindstone on delivering that. And number three, give people more choices on how they finance these types of purchases. And in our view, the government has gone too far in restricting mortgage choice and imposing that stress test. Certainly, we support responsible, thoughtful long-term borrowing with the best advice. But the kind of clumsy, one-size-fits-all form of stress test and the elimination of a 30-year mortgage option for insured mortgages, that has a detrimental impact in the marketplace. It means people have fewer choices, and it's really too much government putting their hands on the scale, so we think that should be fixed
1: you won't get any argument from me it it's, it's funny the narrative about a year ago was that interest rates were going up 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 but the funny thing is that the complete opposite has happened and now people are being stress tested at a rate that's over Two percentage points higher than their current rate because it's the greater of the mortgage rate plus 2% or the benchmark rate, which is at 5.34%. So we have a situation now where people are being stress tested at a rate of almost 2.5% higher. So I definitely think that needs to be tweaked. Maybe a stress test of 1% higher is fine, but it just seems like too far of a bar right now, in my opinion.
0: And a lot of people have weighed in on that to say, okay, we we do believe there should be some test, no doubt about it, but make sure it makes sense. You know, I spent 21 years before coming on board with the Ontario Real Estate Association in public life, including being leader of the official opposition and a cabinet minister as consumer minister responsible for real estate. And I always had a view, Sean, that government policy should be reviewed from time to time. The factors on the ground may have changed. It should be a dynamic stress test that reflects the reality of modern times, not what happened a number of years ago. And you just pointed out very well why that's a, a point in fact. Expectations, you know, two and a half, three years ago or even longer were different than the reality that took place in 2019 or will happen in 2020.
1: Good public policy
0: means check it. Is it still working? And if not, fix it.
1: Perfect. Yes, I agree completely. Well, Tim, it's been great having you on the show. Before I let you go, is there anything of interest that you're working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? And you sound like a pretty busy guy, so I'm sure you're working on plenty of interesting things right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, job number 1, you know, remains encouraging governments to make the right decisions to support home ownership and investment in the real estate market. People want to see more of what we are doing in that respect or send me ideas. Aria.com is our website, and you can follow me uh, through social media, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, or LinkedIn. It's pretty straight up. It's Tim Hudak. I'm kind of the only one out there except for that Marine down in Texas who does martial arts lessons. He's interesting, too, but that's that's not me. That's <laughs> the best, best way to see what we're up to, and I, I, and I do like getting ideas from your listeners across the province if they like what we're doing, or if there's anything that we're missing. Second thing, look, if people want to learn more about it, they're welcome to come to our events as well. This November, we're having our annual Ontario Realtor Party Conference. Last year, we had Prime Minister Harper there. We had Ambassador David McNaughton, Premier Ford, and all the leaders of the parties in Ontario spoke. It's a really interesting opportunity, like politics and real estate, to find out where the decision makers are and to see what ideas we're putting on the table. And the last thing is we have a reality conference. The reality conference takes place in February of 2020, the 25th through 27th in Niagara Falls, Ontario. The reality conference is like a preview. What's coming down the pipe in real estate in Canada the next couple of years? We have a dynamic list of speakers there. They're great events for listeners they want to attend.
1: No, sounds great. Definitely be sure to check them out. I've been to Oreo's events myself and they're just great to kind of understand what's going on in the real estate market. So I'd highly encourage the listeners to check that out. So great. Thanks so much again for being on the show, Tim. It was wonderful to have you.
0: Hey, Sean, great to loop in again. Again, thank you for your advocacy and your advice. And I really appreciate the opportunity to reach out to your listeners as well. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Burn Your Mortgage podcast. Besides being a podcast host, I'm also an independent mortgage broker. If you or anyone you know, family, friends, co-workers, or neighbors could ever use any unbiased mortgage advice or second opinion, feel free to reach out. Email me at sean that's s e a n at burnyourmortgage.ca or call or text me at 647-867-3711 for a free mortgage consultation also be sure to head on over to www.burnyourmortgage.ca and sign up for my free weekly newsletter as a small token of my appreciation you'll be able to download my ultimate mortgage checklist on choosing the perfect mortgage. I look forward to hearing from you and helping you with all your mortgage needs. Once again, thanks for listening. You've
0: been listening to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating. Until next time, happy mortgage burning.